John chapter 6, verse 63 says this. John chapter 6 and verse 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So today I want to talk to you a little bit in this one session, this one service about the power of the Holy Spirit. Corey Ten Boone once wrote this, trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing, exhausting, and tedious of all work. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus just flows out of you. Hallelujah. Amen. We will never be all that God intends for us to be without the Holy Spirit. To fulfill our God-ordained destiny, we must lean heavily on the Holy Spirit. And as we progress, we do not need him less, but even more. The Holy Spirit is the vehicle that our Father has provided for us to take us on our journey's end. If we step out of him, so to speak, then we find ourselves stalled on the side of the road going nowhere fast. We need even more the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Can I get an amen? amen. Every divine action, every divine action in the earth is initiated by the Father proceeds through the Son, and is completed in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit performs all the work of God in our lives. Amen. But the Holy Spirit does not function in isolation, separate, separated from us. He works in tandem with us, in us, and through us. In other words, the Spirit of God requires your cooperation. We cannot resist the Holy Spirit and experience God's grace. We must be yielded vessels to the Holy Spirit. If ever there was a woman of miracles, it would have to be Catherine Kuhlman. What an amazing life. And she said these words, the Holy Spirit is not an option. He is a necessity. Amen. The Holy Spirit is not an option. He is a necessity. She went on to say, the Holy Spirit is the secret of the power in my life. All I have to do is surrender my life to him. Friends, let me be frank. Without the Holy Spirit, we are nothing. And we can do nothing. But with the ability that he provides through Christ, we can do all things. Amen. He moves us. The Holy Spirit moves us from the ordinary to the extraordinary. From the predictable to the amazing. From the natural to the supernatural. Life in the Spirit becomes an adventure. Hallelujah. And whether you like it or not, or whether you want to acknowledge it or not, we are Holy Spirit people, and we are living in the Holy Spirit age. 
It's the Holy Spirit that, that convicted us of sin, that revealed to us our true condition without Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that led you to the Lord, that prompted you to say yes to Jesus. Hallelujah. And it's the Holy Spirit that gave us new birth and new life. It is the Spirit that gives life. And the Holy Spirit is an around-the-clock, every-day-of-the-week promoter. But he promotes only one cause and one purpose, Jesus and the cross. Hallelujah. Amen. So the Holy Spirit will never do anything to diminish or discredit the death and resurrection of Christ. He will always push that to the front. He will always keep that the center of our focus. And to the extent that we ignore the cross and the power of the resurrection, we are ignoring the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This reminds me of a very interesting episode in the Gospels. It's found in Matthew chapter 16. The Bible says that Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he would suffer many things at the hands of the religious leaders and he would be killed and rise again on the third day. And in verse 22, we read that Peter, having heard this, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Now, this is wrong on so many different levels. It's, it says that Peter grabbed Jesus. Evidently, he just grabbed hold of his arm and, and, and dragged him off for like, I'm going to have a little private conference with you, Lord. Hold on, you need to hear me out. Um, he was guilty of being overly familiar. He was being disrespectful. And see, I don't care how long you've been in the way, the way of the Lord. I don't care how wonderfully God has used you in the past. You never get to the place where you treat Jesus casually. Intimate, yes. Casual, no. Amen. It's always wrong to treat him with contempt or disrespectfully. And in case, you're, in case you are wondering, it's never right to rebuke Jesus. Write that down in your little notebook, sister. It's never right to rebuke Jesus. What was he thinking? And he said, far be it from you. In the Greek language, this could be translated, pity yourself. The Holy Spirit does not inspire self-pity. The Holy Spirit will never invite you to attend a pity party. You never have a right to feel sorry for yourself because that is disregarding the cross. That is disregarding the, the blood. That is disregarding what God has done for you and what he's doing in you. That is disregarding every promise he made to you. That is being ungrateful. That is being disloyal. That is a slap in the face to your heavenly father. Never feel sorry for yourself. Rather rejoice and be glad. You cannot walk in hope and be frustrated at the same time. So choose today. I said, choose today. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You don't need human sympathy. 
you need divine intervention. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter thought he was being helpful. He thought that Jesus would appreciate his friendly advice and concern, but he grossly miscalculated because verse 23 says, Jesus turned and said to him, get behind me, Satan. Now, if, if we could see this, I think at this point we would notice Peter's countenance change. <laughs> you are a hindrance to me. Peter's not the devil. But he had unwittingly, without realizing it, yielded to the wrong spirit. See, even if you know God well, you still need to be mindful. Not every little voice that pops in your head is from God. Amen. And this is really funny or strange because just a few minutes earlier, if you read this 16th chapter, just a few minutes earlier, Peter had been commended for yielding to the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. He knew by revelation that Jesus was the Son of God. And evidently, he forgot that because you don't just go grabbing the Son of God and twisting his elbow. So that means even if God shows you something, if you're not careful, it can slip through your fingers. Amen. So he knew who Jesus was by revelation, but he obviously did not know at that point why Jesus came. See, even if God shows you something, it doesn't mean you know everything. Even if God speaks to you, that doesn't mean you're now omniscient. You know all things. The Bible says we know in part, we prophesy in part, and it also says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, that now we see in a mirror dimly. Amen? But my point of the story is this. The Holy Spirit will not allow the cross to be disregarded or disparaged. And think about this also, another thought as well. Jesus understood his mission in life. He knew that Golgotha was the destination. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 7, it's a prophecy of the Messiah. It says that he had set his face like flint to do the will of God. We need that same kind of steely resolve today. Some people here have set their face like a marshmallow. You need, you, need to, you need to have some backbone because not everybody is going to assist you in doing the will of God. Not everybody is going to applaud you for following the plan of God. You have to have some intestinal fortitude. You have to have some determination. If you're still hung up on winning a popularity contest, you'll never fulfill your divine destiny. Amen. Hallelujah. So that means the Holy Spirit will not permit well-meaning but misguided people to distract you or detour you from your God-given assignment. The Holy Spirit is a navigator and he will help you to stay right on course. We constantly need to make course corrections in our life. So again, John chapter 6, verse 63 says, it is the Spirit who gives life. 
It is the Holy Spirit who gives to us life. Now, this could not be referring to natural life. Every human being already has that. He means eternal life, doesn't he? Certainly, he means eternal life. But the word eternal, when we speak of eternal life, the word eternal refers not so much to the duration of this life, but the quality of it. Because only spiritual things are everlasting. This is spiritual life. Hallelujah. And the Greek word translated life, I'm sure you know this, the Greek word translated life in in this verse is zoe. We spell it Z-O-E. And it is defined variously as life as God has it. Life as God has it. So it is the Holy Spirit who gives to us the life that God has, God himself has inside of him. The Holy Spirit is so marvelous And one reason is this, he has the unique ability to take attributes and characteristics from the Father and transport those things into your heart. In Isaiah chapter 11 and verse two, it refers to the Holy Spirit this way, the Spirit of the Lord, then it says the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. See, all of these phrases describe only one Holy Spirit. See, one spirit, but different aspects of his work. And the emphasis here listen carefully the emphasis, that what's being stressed here is not so much that these are qualities that the Holy Spirit possesses that are inherent in himself, although that's certainly true because he is divine, he is God, but rather the emphasis is that he takes these things from the heart of our Heavenly Father and transports them to your heart. So like many of you, I have online banking. I have an app on my phone or I can go on the internet. So I can transfer funds from my account to virtually any other account in the world. All I need to do is to have a Wi-Fi or cellular signal. The Holy Spirit is heaven's internet The Holy Spirit is heaven's internet. There are things that God wants to deposit in you. There are greater graces that he would like to download into your spirit. All you have to do is stay connected and stay open. Now, you know, we've all experienced this, no matter where you're from, that sometimes 
you know, the signal's weak, or sometimes you can even lose it on your, on your cell phone, you know? Like in certain rooms, like you're, you're kind of moving around trying to talk to somebody or something like that. You know, in my bathroom, I got one bar, you know, I can, I can barely, barely get anything. So I have to change my position. I may have to change my location. Listen, sometimes to really receive all the things that God wants you to have, you have to make a little adjustment. You may have to change. Like, I can't, I'm not getting it. Yeah, there's a little bit of unforgiveness. There's a little, there's a little air of unforgiveness. I, I, gotta, I gotta turn away from that. Oh, there's a, there's a, there's a little bit of pride there that's, that, that's blocking the signal. I gotta make a slight adjustment there. But it's funny, you know, when, when you get that full signal, suddenly you realize, whoa, I've got seven emails. I didn't even know I had those. That's from yesterday. And when you make an adjustment in God, I'm telling you, you'll find that there is grace, there's ability, there's power. There are things from the Father that he is wanting to download and transfer into your spirit. Can I get an amen? amen. It is the spirit who gives life. Now, bear with me. Just, just think for a moment here. Instead of thinking of eternal life as a commodity that we possess, think of it as a resource we utilize. See, life is to be lived. Even the life of God. Even the God kind of life. You see, it's no point in having something if you won't use it. So what if I gave you, you know, I purchased for you a new set of clothes and you took them gratefully, folded those clothes up neatly and stuck them in a chest of drawers and never wore them? Well, what would be the point of that? What would, what would, you know, you could thank me every day, but if I never see you wearing those clothes, I would think maybe I had made a mistake. Are you out there today? Whatever God gives you, he expects you to use. I said, whatever God gives you, he expects you to use. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, Paul said this, take hold of the eternal life to which you are called. See, it's one thing to have something. It's another thing to take hold of it, to walk in it to utilize it, to take advantage of it. So God gave us eternal life, spiritual life, the life of God, a new kind of life, so that we could live a new kind of way. It's the life of God. And it gives us the ability to live for God. It's the same kind of life that was in Christ. And it makes us like him and able to live like Christ. That's the purpose. Are you out there today? Think about this for a second. Jesus said something really amazing in John chapter 12 and verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He's really talking about himself. He is not only the savior, he is the seed. 
And it's a fundamental principle that each produces after its own kind. If you plant apple seeds, you get apple trees that produce apples. If you plant tomato seeds, you get tomato plants that produce tomatoes. And the father planted Jesus to produce people like Jesus with his life that would produce his fruit. See, the devil made a terrible mistake. He thought he was burying Christ. He didn't realize he was only planting a seed. Hallelujah. Amen. And seeds multiply. Seeds multiply. So during his earthly ministry, during Jesus' earthly ministry, the devil had one major headache dealing with Jesus because he's going about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil. He's, he's tearing down strongholds of the enemy. He's healing the sick. He's casting out devils. So the devil was fully focused. You know, he, he put all of his resources to combat Jesus. We all are tempted as Christians, you know, uh, from time to time. But, but Satan himself doesn't tempt you because he's not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere. But when Jesus was in the wilderness, the devil said, no, 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 no low-level devils are going to do this job. I'm going to take care of this one myself. But he got whipped. Hallelujah. He got whipped with the word of God. But when Jesus rose again from the dead, the devil suddenly discovered now there's a whole family of believers who are just like him and they have his life and they have his nature and they have his spirit and they have his authority and they have his word and they have his faith and they have his name and they're going to tear my kingdom down and they're going to work the works of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You see, Jesus, listen to me and don't misunderstand me, but Jesus is to be more than admired and appreciated. Yeah, sure, obviously we admire him and appreciate them, but he is to be more than admired and appreciated. He is to be emulated. On the cross, he died as our substitute. He did something no one else can do. But in his earthly ministry, he lived as our example. He did what all of us should be doing in his name. He said in John 14, 12, whoever believes in me, the works that I do, shall he do also. In fact, even greater works than these. That's why this life is so important. It's not just a ticket to heaven. It's reproducing the work and life of Christ in the earth. Hallelujah. And, and let me read it to you again. John 6, 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. Look at your neighbor and say, your flesh is no help at all. I've been dying to say that all morning, but now I got a chance. Thank you, pastor. <laughs> the flesh is no help at all. The Amplified Bible, the classic version of the Amplified Bible says, he is the life giver. Talking about the Holy Spirit. He is the life giver. Now, let me just give you something to chew on. It is a spirit who gives life. The word gives, gives. It's in the present tense. Not gave, not will give, gives. And in the Greek language, present tense often indicates continuous, repeated action. 
or something that is in the process of happening. We don't just have life like like you have a Bible, you know, in your hand or, or you have a cell phone in your pocket. There is a continuous flow of life from the Spirit. Isn't that what Jesus said? The water that I give him will become in him a well of water. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, if I gave you a new pair of shoes, don't get your hopes up, but if I gave you a new pair of shoes and then walked away and left, you would still have the shoes even if I'm not there. Now, the Holy Spirit is not going to leave you. He said, he said the spirit of truth that he may be with you forever, not just with you temporarily. The Holy Spirit's not going to leave you, but theoretically, if he did leave, you would have no life. So there's nobody in this world that, you know, got, got born again, has that life, and then the Holy Spirit left him, but he still has eternal life. That's not true. He is the life. If he leaves, there's no life. That would lead, that would, we, would, we would find ourselves in our sins and dead to God. Now, thinking about that, there's a point I want to make. I hope you can get this. In John chapter 10, verse 10, it's really Jesus' mission statement, or at least one of his primary mission statements. He said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, have it more abundantly. Amplified Bible, I came that they may have and enjoy life. I'm glad he didn't just come to give us life so we could enjoy this life. I don't know, some people don't look like they enjoy being a Christian. They always talk about how wonderful it was before they were Christian. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. So, so here's my point. He mentioned two things, not one. He didn't just say, I came that they may have life, full stop. I came that may, they may have life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Everyone who has believed the gospel, everyone who is born again, has this Zoe life in him. But not every born again believer is full and overflowing with life. I don't have to give you scriptures. You already know from experience that's true. Some of you can just go home and look in the bathroom mirror, right? Not every born again believer is overflowing with life. Now, here's my point. I want you to think about this. If the Spirit is the life giver, Zoe, the Zoe giver, doesn't it stand to reason that the more of the Spirit you have, the more life you'll have? I mean, wouldn't that be a fair statement? If he's the life giver, doesn't it stand to reason that the more of the Spirit you have, the more life you'll have? The more, Because you, you can have more of it. I've come that you may have life and have it till it overflows. Some people have it, but it's not overflowing. So the more of the Spirit you have, the more of this life you can have. So here's what I'm going to say to you. Maybe we could paraphrase John 10.10 10 this way. I've come 
that they may be born of the Spirit and baptized with the Spirit. I've come that they may be born of the Spirit and also baptized with the Spirit. See, here's the thing. We've treated salvation as an absolutely essential thing, and that's right. That's absolutely correct. Please do not misunderstand me. That comes first, that's foremost. But we've treated the baptism with the Holy Spirit as an option, non-essential. If you're not into this, no problem. We get you. See, we act as if salvation is the main course and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit is dessert. You know, like you're in the restaurant maybe and you finish eating and the waiter or the waitress says, who's ready for some dessert, some cake or, or some, you know, uh, whatever, resgula, right? Remember the Bengali boy who was dating the girl for the first time and he was nervous. His friend said, just whisper something sweet in her ear. And he said, resgula. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, would you, anybody care for dessert? You say, I'm full already. I've had enough. Ooh, I'm good. No, no, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm okay. But that's not the attitude that Jesus has. That's not the attitude that the gospel has concerning the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for salvation. That's wonderful. But don't stop. And I think the reason is, in fact, I know there are other factors too, but I think one of the main reasons why so many Christians struggle their whole Christian life, and really they're not living like Christ, they're kind of living like, like a victim, not a victor. Not like a prince, more like a pauper. Like someone who's just always just having his nose to the grindstone. Someone who's just almost a slave. And it's because they don't have all that God intended for them to have. I didn't say they're not going to heaven. But that's not enough. If the blood made you good enough to go to heaven, it's really his grace. But if the blood made you good enough to go to heaven, why can't you have a little bit of heaven down here while you live? But some people, it seems like their life is hell. I mean Christians, born-again Christians. Let me give you a couple of scriptures real quick. And maybe that will help to shed some more light on this subject. In John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Greek word translated helper, parakletos, also means counselor, it means comforter, it means strengthener, it means advocate, it means all of those things. So obviously we need help. Because if we didn't need help, Jesus would not have sent a helper. So one more time, look at the person sitting next to you and say, you need help. Look back and say, you need professional help. <laughs> yeah, somebody needs to tell you. Hallelujah. So, so 
Every born again Christian has the spirit living in his heart. Don't let anybody tell you different, differently. Every born again Christian has the Holy Spirit in his heart. Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. One way we know we're saved is by the Holy Spirit bearing witness with our heart. However, in these verses, John 14, 16, and 17 that I just read, I am convinced that Jesus is not primarily referring to salvation. I mean, in a general sense, yes, but I, I'm convinced he is not primarily talking about salvation in these verses. Why? Because verse 17 says this, whom the world cannot receive, but the world can receive Christ. The world can receive eternal life. The world can receive salvation, but the world cannot be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The world cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit. The world cannot receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, meaning the baptism or the infilling with the Holy Spirit. That's why you don't have all the help you're supposed to have. Let me give you another verse. John 15, 26. Are you still here today? Yes. Jeffy, it's a little warm on this platform. Can I get a little bit more air? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you very much. And if there's that fan running, would you please turn that off? I would appreciate that. Sometimes little distractions can mess you up. John chapter 15 and verse 26. Oh, that's so good. Thank you, brother. John chapter 15 and verse 26. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father he will bear witness about me. Or he's talking about the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice just real quickly, look carefully at the wording here. Look carefully at the wording here. He says, concerning the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you. Whom I will send to you. So uh, I mentioned to our guest speaker that I am sending someone to meet you at the airport, someone from the staff. And so that certainly implies that I personally will not be there when she arrives, right? Then again, if I said to you, I'm sending some fruit to your house, doesn't that suggest that I personally am not going to deliver it I will send someone else to take it or I'll, you know, send it by parcel or post or something like that. But I will send it to you means I personally won't be there. I'm sending it to you. So Jesus was raised from the dead. And the very evening of that day, that resurrection Sunday, he appeared to his disciples in the upper room in John chapter 20 and verse 22. And he did something very peculiar. He breathed on them. My wife doesn't want me to breathe on her at all, especially in the morning. <laughs> I don't know why. <sighs> mm, lovely. Anyways, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. But actually in the Greek language, the word here, infosao, infosao means to breathe into. Literally, it means breathe into. The same Greek word was used to describe a man playing a flute. Well, you don't just 
like blow on the flute, you push air into it through the pipe, through the flute. This is when they were born again. This is when these people were born again. Couldn't they be born again during his earthly ministry? No. Nobody could be born again until after the resurrection of Christ. They were still Jews living under the old covenant until that time. Hallelujah. But notice, he was personally present when this occurred. But in John 15, 26, he says, I will send the Holy Spirit to you from the Father. Which implies, I'm going to go be with the Father, and when I'm there, from the Father, then I'll send the Holy Spirit to you. But here, he was personally present with them. See? But after he breathed on them, he continued walking with them for about 40 days, and before he went up into heaven, he said something else in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. He told these same people, wait. Wait for what? Wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me, for John baptized with the Holy Spirit, but you will be baptized with, John baptized with water, I apologize, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He breathed on them, breathed into them, said, receive the Spirit. Did they receive? I'm sure they did. And if that's all the Holy Spirit there is to have, why did he tell them to wait for something else? See, because a lot of people say, I'm born again. I have the Holy Spirit in me. Full stop. That's it. Hoya, bus. No hoya. Nahihe. Why did he tell them to wait for something else? Why did he tell them to wait for something more? Because there's something more. There's something more. The promise of the Father was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2, verse 4. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Hallelujah. It's great. To, it's, it's first and foremost to be born again, have the Holy Spirit in your heart. But there's something more. And you won't have life abundantly until you have that something more. Until you're baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who gives life. He's the life-giving Spirit. The more of the Spirit we have, the more life we'll have. And the reason that many Christians are not doing the works of Christ and they're not really having all of the fruit, they're not walking in dominion, they're not walking in authority, they're, they're not walking in, in those places because they haven't received all that God has for them. We need to be people who are yielded to the Holy Spirit. You're saved today because you yielded to the Holy Spirit. As a sinner, when you were lost, he dealt with you. He brought conviction of sin to you. There was a prompting in your heart. You may not have realized it, but something was pulling you. But you had a choice to make, and you responded. You said yes to the Lord. And to be filled with the Spirit, we must also be yielded to him. We must cooperate with him. We must, we must give in to the promptings and urgings which he gives to us. Be yielded to him. So as a student in the university in my first year, I, I attended a campus prayer meeting and I was filled with the Holy Spirit, began speaking in other tongues, changed my whole life. 
I certainly wouldn't be standing here today if that hadn't happened to me. And uh, sometime later, I took a couple of students from the university with me to attend a Pentecostal service on a Sunday morning. And after the service had dismissed, we were going back to the, to the campus and, and there was one girl with us and she said this to me. She said, you know, I have visited this church several times and every time I visit this church, it's, it is all I can do to not speak in tongues. I feel like I'm going to start speaking in tongues and it is, I have to like, in other words, I have to consciously make an effort not to do that. Well, see, she thinks the Holy Spirit's going to force you to speak in tongues. He's going to knock you in the head with a cricket bat, open your mouth, you know, push your jaw down, grab your tongue, you know, no, no. They were all filled and they began to speak. God didn't force you to get saved. He's not going to force you to speak with tongues either. I've had, I've had church members here. I, I'm thinking of one person now, and I, I hope I have the testimony right, but my understanding was that she was just in the service years ago and just said, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. And while we were like praising God and just suddenly began speaking in tongues, nobody prayed for her. Nobody like, you know, you know, doused her head with three liters of oil or anything like that. She just, she just was yielded, yielded. I think some people, the problem is you're not really open. You're, you're, you're like, nah, no thanks. And, and some are even afraid, oh, be careful. We have nothing to worry about. Not with that attitude. You have to be open. You have to be yielded. Are you listening to me? So I heard the testimony. I personally was in the meeting, a testimony of one pastor. And he was from a denominational background and they, they believed in salvation. All right, good. But regarding the baptism with the Holy Spirit, mm, no. Nah. And speaking in tongues, you know, no way. They think that's of the devil. But he was hungry for more of God. He was hungry for more of God. And he had a woman in his church. Watch out for those women in your church. He had a woman in his church who was always slipping him audio recorded messages, you know, like different sermons and think teachings and like that. She's always slipping him one. But um, this woman gave him a, a this was like a, a not a CD, but this years ago, like a, on a tape, a little cassette tape. And it, the message was, you know, how to speak in tongues. And it was like giving tongues lessons which you can't do. You, you can go to school and, and learn English. You can learn, you know, Spanish and French, but you can't also take tongues 101, you know, and, and, and learn how to speak tongues. You can, you can learn how to be yielded to the spirit, but no one can teach you how to speak in tongues. So in this recording, he put it in the bedroom on the machine. He's listening to it. And the, and the voice tells him, okay, you have to, you have to lie down. He's lying down. Now say hallelujah five times. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Okay, that's good. Next, say this. Apple, apple, apple. So he went apple, apple, apple. Good. Then the voice says, say boy, boy, boy. He went boy, boy, boy. Good. Now say cat, cat, cat. He went cat, cat, cat. Now say it faster. Apple, 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 boy, 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 cat, cat, cat. Apple, 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 boy, 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 cat, cat, cat. That's it. You got it. Apple, 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 boy, 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 cat, cat, cat. Apple, 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 boy, 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 cat, cat, cat. So he's going from apple all the way to zebra, you know, doing this, you know, supposedly that's tongues, you know, and he's just struggling. Apple, 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 boy, 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 cat, cat, cat. But meanwhile, while he's going through all this shenanigans, his wife came in the bedroom speaking in tongues. 
And he was floored. He was astonished because she hadn't listened to the teaching, right? She, she didn't listen to that cassette tape. And he said, what happened? She said, I was in the next room and I was just feeling so hungry for God. I said, Lord, just fill me. And suddenly this just slowed for me. I think, I think the devil tries to make things that are simple, more complicated. Truth be told, maybe some preachers do too. You're not looking at me, are you? <laughs> Watch it, sister. <laughs> right? I think sometimes we make things more complicated. We, sometimes we, in some churches, we've made salvation unnecessarily complicated. You know, they think you have to go through catechism. You have to, you have to go to the River Jordan and be baptized. You have to, you know, we have to pray for you standing on your head, you know, and all this kind of, no, it's just, it's not that hard, actually. It's just, you know, get saved and, and then stand on your head. I, but, you know, <laughs> hallelujah. And, and it's not that hard to be filled with the Spirit. We overthink things. And I think we, we, we intentionally get all stressed out. So years ago in our church, uh, when we were in La Paloma Theater, years ago, we called people to be filled with the Spirit. And there was a bunch of people. There was one young lady who came and we prayed for her. And, um, you know, you can't always judge things by appearances, but she was just like vibrating with the power of God. She was just, she was just, she was vibrating. And, and, and she had her mouth like clamped shut like it was wired shut uh, as an act of her will. I don't mean, there wasn't a wire there. And, and, and you could see she was like struggling. Like she's like trying to like, you know, even like, you know, a, a little stream of saliva was coming out of the corners of her mouth. It was really glorious to behold. And anyways, and she's like trying not to speak in tongues. Well, you can't even speak in English with your mouth closed. I'm so glad that when the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus in a bodily form, it was a dove, not a tiger. <laughs> I think some people think the Holy Ghost is like, you know, a tiger, a lion, jump on you and start ripping your hair out or something like that. Dove, who's a, no, but if a tiger, if a tiger came down the aisle, only Chuba would remain. The rest of us would run and he wouldn't remain too long either. <laughs> Right? If, if, a, if a lion came in here, man, we, we, we would be very concerned about that. But even a little ki- a child wouldn't be afraid of a dove. See, the enemy is trying to create fear in our hearts to keep us from receiving all that God has for us. Amen? I said amen. amen. I think part of it is just desire. Desire. So Brother Hagin frequently tells this story. I've heard it a few times, but I think it's really good. He tells a story about one pastor of a, of a certain church and, and this pastor had built a new building. And you know, when you build a new building, it can be stressful. Jeppy, would you like to share something now? Uh, later? Okay. It can be stressful. <laughs> Maybe people aren't giving and you're wondering if they're really saved or things like that go through your mind. <laughs> you said you won't come to their house, but now you're having second thoughts. I won't come, but I will send the UGs. Anyway, so you're, <laughs> you're you know, there's a, he just built this new building and, you know, he's, he, it's a lot of work and everything is very stressful. And, and when the building was built, he was just kind of worn out, burned out a little bit. And alone in their new sanctuary, he was praying and said, oh God, we've got this magnificent structure, but I just feel so empty. I just feel so dry. 
I just feel so depleted. I just need more of you in my life. And suddenly, tongues started coming out of his mouth. He didn't know what this is. But he remembered that he had gone fishing with a Pentecostal pastor sometime in the past. So he called that man on the phone and said, hello, this is, this is Pastor so-and-so of XYZ Church. And uh, he said, I was just praying in my sanctuary and I, and I don't know what happened, but I, 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 and suddenly he started speaking in tongues over the phone, and the Pentecostal pastor started shouting, that's it, that's it, you've got it, you've got it, hallelujah. You don't have to have a degree in pneuma, pneumology. You don't have to go to theological cemetery, a seminary. <laughs> Probably better that you didn't go, maybe. But you do have to be yielded, you have to be open, and you have to be hungry. Hallelujah. I don't know, are there? And you know what? I don't think we should ever lose those qualities. Because some, some spirit-baptized people are cantankerous. Where are they? Where, where are you? Okay. I, oh, there you are. Okay. So some, some spirit-filled people, you know, they're, 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 they're too proud. You know, like, uh, I'm Pentecostal. Yes, and uh, the Holy Ghost, and uh, You know, they're, they're too proud. Don't ever, this, the Holy Spirit's a gift. The gift says more about the giver than it says about the one who received it. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. We stay humble, stay hungry, and stay yielded to the Holy Spirit. Do we have any hungry people in the house today? I mean, I'm not talking about lunch. I'm talking about hungry for the Holy Ghost. Do we have any hungry people? Amen. Do we have any, do we have any people here who, who just want more of God in their life? I, I, I'm going to raise my hand. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Can we be more yielded, more, more responsive, more receptive? Come on, some people say, well, if I had a dream, if I saw an angel from heaven, that means you're not very responsive. Because if you're responsive, you're sensitive, just a little pulling in, you say, ah, oh, God's speaking to me.